Hello, and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week, we talked to Will Millard, Head of Engagement at the Centre for Education and Youth, about his research on social and emotional learning and the new normal. We talk a little bit about what social and emotional learning actually is, why it's especially important now, and some of the issues around it, like the impact of kind of cultural difference and some other fascinating things besides. Rather excitingly, we recorded this interview a few weeks ago face to face at a suitable social distance, of course. So you might notice um, improved sound quality. <laughs> As ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around issues. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. I am here with Will Millard, Head of Engagement at the Centre for Education and Youth, the Think and Action Tank. And we're going to talk today about social and emotional learning. So welcome, Will. Hello. Hi there. Now, this was a a new term to me uh, when I saw your report out. So can you explain what what is meant by social and emotional learning? Yeah, and I think you've already touched upon something that's quite salient in the the whole discussion about social and emotional learning, which is that it means many different things to many different people. And I think you will often find that you'll get a slightly different answer as to what it actually is, depending on who you're Mm. asking. Starting with a bit of a dictionary definition, um, there's an organisation called CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic and Social and Emotional Learning. They're an American-based organisation. They define it as self-awareness, self-regulation, sort of Mm -hmm. self-management, but also then social awareness, relationships and decision-making. And that's a definition that the Education Endowment Foundation actually uses as a basis for lots of its social and emotional learning work. So that's quite a good starting place. Of course, each of those individual terms in turn, you can start to unpick. Mm. And unravel. I think one way of thinking about it is um, a focus on learning, a, a focus on well-being that perhaps doesn't have a purely academic bent. Mm-hmm. So it's learning to yeah self-regulate, learning about yourself, learning about how to manage relationships, and the end goal of that learning not necessarily being purely academic. So it's something that could could take all sorts of forms in in schools so in some schools it might link to how they how they work around kind of values or keep kind of behaviors for 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 learning and things like that yeah absolutely so it might be that you're looking at individual classroom level type work so it might be standalone activities with a focus on um you know the sorts of things we've been describing it might be actually that learning in the classroom is more embedded into other subjects across the curriculum so for example you might sort of tack a um an activity onto something that you're doing in politics or re or something Mm. like that um it might be actually that we're talking about more of a school level focus so it might be about ethos it might be encompassing things like behavior management systems Mm. i think you know as we've been talking about social emotional learning it lends itself to quite an amorphous 
definition and consequently yeah you know there are lots of different ways in which we can think about it and talk about it yeah so you could say that there are activities that children do or um ways in which you're encouraging children to behave or or think that serve other ends but they are also part of this yeah, social and emotional I think so. learning yeah. term. So you um you produced this report sort of during the kind of covid lockdown period and you you were going to cancel the round table that you had planned <laughs> to to kick it off. So so talk us through um why you decided to go ahead and how you made it all work. Yeah, so the Centre for Education and Youth ran a roundtable focused on social and emotional learning in May, so mid-lockdown. And we did that in collaboration with Stir Education, um, which is an organisation that runs um, sort of international programmes to support teachers. Um, we met with um, Stir back at the very start of this year and we were talking about you know, possible ways of of collaborating and we both felt at that point so this is pre-covid mm -hmm. pre-lockdown that social and emotional learning was a nice area of overlap for our organizations and something that you know we should explore together we did then think gosh you know really is this still a priority you know right in the middle of lockdown and i think we just felt yes it is mm -hmm. and actually if anything it's even more important you know, what we're seeing is not just the um, academic costs to young people of being in lockdown and of not going into school, mm. but of all of the very, you know, it's very intuitive when you say it, but the social and emotional cost of that as well. So actually, it really does feel like it's an important thing for us to um, for us to run with. And we slightly reframed the focus of the roundtable, of course, um, you know, rather than it being about um in general how mm. schools can enact it it was very much a focus on the new normal yeah. and i suppose where next for sel mm. um you know in in the times that we find ourselves in yeah and presumably i mean obviously schools did a fantastic work to try and and bring children academic ac activities and some ways to kind of keep in touch with the yeah. school community but you imagine actually some of the social and emotional learning things will have fallen through the those cracks and yeah I, th I think yeah I mean certainly I think there are a couple of different parts to this um the priority for lots of schools you know quite understandably has been just getting academic work in place mm. and finding a way of engaging pupils in academic mm. work which works for teachers and works for students during just this crazy time. Yeah. Um, I think another dimension to it, though, is actually that in many ways it's affirmed what we knew already, mm. which is that schools are a crucial mechanism for actually cultivating lots of the social and emotional, yeah. uh, you know, well-being and skills that young people develop. So I have a primary school teacher friend of mine and actually he's been making phone calls home to families throughout lockdown not with any academic focus mm. primarily but purely to touch base purely to speak to the child on the phone just to see how they're doing yeah. and to check in and um you know i think that that really as i say affirms the hugely important role that we already know schools play in that respect yeah. And I think it's interesting to think about, you know, as as children go go back in, 
um, you know, there'll be there'll be some children who will have fall, fallen behind academically who almost that could have been pre- predicted based on when the base that they were maybe coming from but then there will be other children who struggle to engage in work or motivate themselves to work during lockdown who, who might not be the ones that, that that would be expected um from almost and i think that's you know in a really interesting area where that social and emotional learning um comes into into play there mm. um so in in the report you you as you say you're thinking about this kind of post post covid world post covid reality which we're obviously still finding our our way through um what what different sorts of 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 skills or or, or learning do, ch- do children need do you think going going forward um so i think in terms of the specific focus it's it's quite important not to be too sort of restrictive mm. about that i mean i think you know the the sorts of things that case or the education endowment foundation identifies aspects of social and emotional learning you know those are very very important mm. um i think one of the areas that perhaps this whole episode has has shown as being critically important mm. is resilience thinking about skills that are really important um i think actually it's an opportunity to acknowledge the skills that young people already have mm. so um the day after gcc results day cfey hosted an exam seminar we mm. convened a bunch of head teachers and some students and we asked them how they'd found the yeah. you know the results process and one of the things that a head teacher said which really struck a chord with me i think particularly off the back of our sel work was that far from young people being a bunch of snowflakes who aren't able to stomach yeah. the you know the demands of modern life if lockdown has shown anything it's the remarkable levels of resilience that young people have so i think you know we shouldn't enter into this discussion with any kind of um deficit view of what young people already have you know we've got a remarkable group of young people who have had to live through the most extraordinary period and have shown a remarkable resilience that said i think the opportunity for social and emotional learning and the opportunity for schools as they reopen is to continue to cultivate you know coping mechanisms that will help young people um manage their own emotions Mm. you know over the next few months and over the next few years um but also i suppose support their families and their communities um who are also going to be suffering um i think another interesting area that certainly our latest report touches on is the idea of civic engagement Mm. and actually um seeing the tumultuous period of time that we've been living through and I include in that lockdown and the exams fiasco Mm. as an opportunity to show young people how important it is that they are engaged in civic debate Um, and I think social and emotional learning plays into that I think you know it's it's important that you enter into those sorts of discussions with requisite levels of self-awareness mm. um, but also an ability of how to manage those interactions with other people yeah 
Um, and I think that social and emotional learning potentially has an important role to play in that as well. And I think it's just, you know, um, my experience of, of, of working with young people is that there's always, you know, a real kind of burning social justice mm. in, in the young. But as you say, it's kind of how, how do you actually use that positively and, and make a change and engage with society rather than just being angry? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And um, the, the report talks about the relationship between um, social and emotional learning and academic learning, because I think there's been, there's been quite a lot of discussion um, in the media and in the run up to going back to schools as sort of, do we care about well-being or do we care about catch up? And obviously the two things are not separate. No. Um, <laughs> but but, but what's, what's the kind of um, uh, findings there? So you're, you're absolutely right. I don't think... I don't think of these as separate. Mm. Um, so in terms of the evidence and the research, um, I think what we tend to see is, is something mutually reinforcing. Mm. So um, improved academics, getting good grades is going to help a young person feel good about themselves. But that said, a young person is likely to do better academically if they are self-aware, if they're able to you know, manage their emotions, if they're able to interact with their peers and with their teachers in purposeful and constructive ways. So I think what we see, as I say, is this mutually reinforcing relationship. I think, um, you know, this might be a nice opportunity to name drop um, a forthcoming report um, that the Centre for Education and Youth is publishing in partnership with the Skills Builder Partnership. Oh, right. yeah. So we are looking at the relationship between essential skills and various different important outcomes for young people, including educational uh, and employment outcomes. Um, that is forthcoming um, in October. Um, but the, you know, kind of key messages from that report are how important, you know, social and emotional learning is in underpinning academic outcomes yeah. for young people. And as I say, that mutually reinforcing. And I was also... Um interested to to see the references to how um social and emotional learning connects to kind of parental engagement and thinking particularly about young people and parents spending mm. a lot more time together of of late um so i'm curious to know more about that yeah i mean of course you know as with as with everything as with all aspects of life children absorb a huge amount from their parents and you know parents are the number one influence on yeah. on a child and that extends to emotions emotional regulation behavioral habits all of that sort of thing so parents are hugely influential in this um i think there are some great opportunities for um you know as as schools have been i think during lockdown um, and of course prior to that working really closely with families, mm. not just on academic content, mm. but actually cultivating a sense of shared purpose and shared vision for yeah. the child's education more broadly. Um, and I think, you know, I've certainly heard of lots of schools doing that and wanting to instigate that as they, as they reopen. I think what the report touches on as well is where perhaps tensions exist between mm. the home and school I refer here you know I'm sure we can all think of examples from our own 
sort of experiences growing up of where perhaps there was tension between our home life and what we were being mm. told in school. Um, you know, I can certainly think of times where that was true. Um, it's also true internationally. Um, you know, as part of our roundtable, we heard from people working in all sorts of contexts. I'm talking internationally in uh, developed countries and also in emergency context with people mm. who've been displaced. So, yeah. um, you know, these questions, I think, obviously look you know the situation looks very different depending on the context but actually I think some of those questions hold true across across the board um but I think the the point that you're making there is is the real kind of connection to culture that you know that could be represented by the relationship to uh parents and I found that insights about culture and social and emotional learning in the report really fascinating because I think, you know, although we've said it's difficult to define, I think in an English school system, we all have a feeling for what, what we mean by this stuff and whether it's our values or our code or our this or our that, these kinds of things and, and, and what, what, what would sit under that. But actually what you, what you show in the report is that not all cultures or societies think the same way about those things and and i and i think that's that is really really interesting yeah i think so so i think on that um i will name drop a couple of the contributors to that mm, report yeah. um so matthew jukes his work in tanzania is really interesting on this dr ealing boyd mcmillan from cambridge her work on this is is really really important really interesting um, and I think to sort of um, paraphrase mm. sort of my understanding yeah. of some of their work. So with Matthew Dukes, um, he talks about in Tanzania how he observes uh, and has observed the tension between parental values, which emphasise conformity, obedience, um, respect, politeness mm. and wanting children first and foremost to be those things versus teachers who want children to be sparky, confident, mm. curious, inquisitive. And it's not that those two sets of values are mutually exclusive, mm. but it's that there's a tension there and that it's, you know, certainly in his research, it's been a really interesting tension to explore how do schools navigate that with their communities and yeah. with their families in a way that brings everyone along. Um, Dr. Eileen Board McMillan's developed um, a framework, the IC Adapt framework and model. Uh, I think perhaps the simplest way of conceptualizing it is it's a curriculum and it's a platform. Mm -hmm. She is very, you know, she and her colleagues are very hesitant to talk about um, the universal application mm -hmm. of any sorts of social and emotional values yeah. in inverted commas because context is so critical and how people interpret it is so critical but i think what they are bridging is the fact that we agree that these aspects of development are important but that that development is going to look different for different children in different contexts um, and so they've created a set of resources um, to help um, teachers um, actually in emergency contexts um, put interventions in place that will be suitable for the children that they're working with. 
So, so interesting, because I think particularly that that point around if if parents want children to behave differently in the home that they're being told in school, the confusion about when you're trying to learn about how to how to behave and having two different um, kind of structures uh, to sit within that, you know, must cause a lot of a lot of um, tension and, and difficulty, as you say. And I think, you know, we do have a quite a sort of monolithic view you know what good behavior looks like based on our very western understanding of that yeah absolutely and i think you're right you're right to name it as western because mm. that's exactly what it is a lot of the thinking and a lot of the research about social and emotional learning is western mm. it emanates from um you know western europe the us and it has it's underpinned with with our values yeah um, and consequently, it's not able always to be particularly responsive or flexible or accommodating in other contexts. So mm. I think you're, you're absolutely right to call and that out. And quite focused on the individual yeah. as opposed to the collective, um, which would be you know, the dif- difference between, between us and some other, other countries. So, yeah, I think um, really, really, really interesting stuff. And you, you also talk a little bit about some of the the challenges um, to uh, broader access and, and and sort of deeper understanding of of, of social and emotional learning. Um, do, do you have any thoughts about how some of those challenges, like kind of teacher training, where you find space for it in the curriculum, the fact it's very difficult to measure and get hold of? What are your what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, all of the above are they are significant challenges mm. with this. Um, you know, not least, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned teacher training, but actually sort of even taking a step back from that, you know, teachers, teachers are going to be coming back to school. Yeah. Um, met, some will have been ill. Yeah. Some will have lost loved ones. Mm. Um, you know, some will have been at home with their own children, mm. you know, sort of trying to teach students online whilst, yeah. you know, home educate. So it's it's been, it's been a real a real mess of emotion and turmoil for, for all, for everyone, um, teachers included. Mm. So actually, you know, coming back to school and, and talking about social and emotional learning, I think, you know, we should be thinking about that very much in terms of teachers wellbeing as, as much mm. as pupils mm. as well. Um, I think you're right to point out the issue of measurement. Um, we come back to the kind of age old issue, you know, we tend to value what we measure. I think I would say measuring to what end. I think, you know, why would you be interested in measuring this stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, I think intuitively teachers know this matters and that it's important. Yes, there are ways of measuring Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's perhaps not what we're so used to measuring, but there are plenty of tools out there for doing so i think what i would say is why are you measuring it to what end what is it telling you over and above the intrinsic value of the activity itself um so what i'm not saying is don't measure it what i am saying is be if if you are measuring it be really clear on why that is Mm. um because otherwise it's going to become another box ticking activity of course and i think but it does in some ways connect to um, how how you then might justify giving space time attention 
to it. Mm. I think you're absolutely bang on mentioning space. I mean, teachers aren't looking for ways to fill their time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not any idea than that anyway. <laughs> and, you know, certainly, um, you know, conversations I've had with friends of mine who are teachers and returning to school, you know, right now, the, you know, primary just getting children to wash their hands enough times mm. a day shortening playtime shortening lessons so that they can go through the various hygiene mm. procedures you know at secondary it's how do you teach in pods and how do they move around the school yeah. so you know i i am saying all of this fully aware of the increased constraints mm. on, on time right now um that said I don't think any of this is about reinventing the wheel. There's loads of resources out there. I think it's about um, following your intuition. We know this stuff matters. We know that teachers want to be having these sorts of conversations and doing these sorts of activities with their with their pupils and with their young people. Um, and I think it's about saying, go for it. Yeah. Um, it's about signposting the resources that are available, of which there are many. Um, and it's about saying, go for it. Yeah. We know it's important and it matters now more than ever. And are there any um, final final words or suggestions that you'd like to share with our listeners who might want to know more? Um, okay, yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of things to mention. So I've name dropped already the report that we're co-publishing uh, with the Skills Builder Partnership mm -hmm. in October. Um, so that's looking at the link between essential skills and different um, important outcome areas for young people. I think for the uh, research engaged uh, listeners, that will be an interesting mm -hmm. uh, report. Um, I think it cites some papers that I had not come across and they're really, really interesting, including papers looking at things like the link between um, essential skills and improved physical health outcomes for young people with diabetes wow. so Gosh. that's yeah there's some there's some really interesting stuff in there um i would flag the um challenges that hybrid teaching and technology will continue to pose mm. for schools um so obviously lots of schools are having to negotiate um reopening according to their teaching staff yeah. and their cohorts so there is not a one-size-fits-all approach that's being taken I think it's fairly safe to say that lots of schools will be using technology in some form or another whether it's distance learning or whether it's sort of within the classroom yeah. that presents challenges for social and emotional learning mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> for example how do you formulate relationships with a new tutor group or with mm. year sevens starting in a secondary school when they're not physically in the classroom with you yeah. or when the situation has been sort of, it looks so dramatically different to what they mm. might have thought six months ago. Um, so I think it's about just, it's about paying attention not just to the academics online and not just trying to race through content, mm. but it's taking the time to check in with pupils, see how they're doing, because some of that relational dimension to just physically being in a mm. school is going to be, uh, I think, very challenging. 
and and difficult for children to collaborate and work together which is obviously another important yes. aspect uh yeah. there well thank you so much will it's lovely to partner with the center for education and and youth and delve a bit deeper into your reports and thank you very much for listening key voices is produced by the key giving education leaders the knowledge to act members of the key for school leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com and please tell us what you think of the podcast rate review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at keysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions